everyone, and welcome back to Tower After Hours. I'm Haley, your host, and today I have with me Amanda, our project coordinator. Hey! Mike Mattis, our CEO and creative director. Hello! And Alyssa, our account executive. Hi! How are you guys today? How's it going? This is our first virtual podcast, and we're like all like screwed up. Not only (laughs) is it your first, but did you realize it is the 50th episode? You're kidding. Where are our cupcakes? Wow. Yeah. And we I feel like that's pretty impressive that what two of the people in the room today were here for episode number one. Mm-hmm. Was it me? It was, was you. It? Yeah. <laughs> You've been here a thousand years. How is it not you? So suddenly you feel like you're 50 years old. I couldn't tell you when we started it. So I don't know. I could have been here. I could have been out of body. I mean, but wow, what an honor. Yeah, well, it's a new year. And for many companies, that means that it's time to review your budget, create a new budget for the new year, look at what was working, what isn't working, make adjustments. Um, And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So Amanda, I know you're a very goal oriented person. That is accurate. Would you like to tell us a little (laughs) bit about uh, your love of marketing budget and goal setting? Absolutely. Um, So In order to make your budget, I think, um, at least for me, uh, you really have to figure out what your main goal and expectations are for the budget and your marketing. Um, And this could be anything from uh, trumping the competition in search results um, or increasing orders online. Um, But once you have the goal, you can really begin to start to dig into tactics and then allocate your dollars to certain pieces of marketing. If your goal is to uh, eclipse the competition in search results, you may want to consider a better website or an approach to internet marketing efforts, both paid and organic. But if your goal is to increase online orders by X percentage, um, you may consider things like um, a new website or platform in order to make custom uh, customer ordering better, um, content marketing to drive home your messaging um, and make things clear, concise, and enticing for users. You may consider PPC or internet radio advertising um, to capture new audiences online or social media advertising. Um, as we've gone away from organic, we've really discovered that ads are the way to go for social media mm-hmm. um, to spread more brand awareness Um, and to get more clicks through to your website. Um, And also direct mail um, as more of a traditional method um, and email marketing to spread brand brand awareness as well. And all of those things considered, you may also think of questions to help you discover your goal. Mm -hmm. Um, And this could be like, uh, where are you currently in the marketing space? Um, Are you just starting out? Are you a new business? If so, it may just be um, foundational tactics that you start with, um, just the just the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've been around for a while and you've been doing some marketing already, it could be a lot different. So it, it'll look different from for where you are currently. Um, there's also, is, is there seasonality to your business? If so, your budget could be weighing heavily on one part of the mm-hmm. year. Which marketing avenues have worked for you in the past and which haven't if you have done marketing? Um, those can help you really think through your goals for the year based on how well you've worked in the past with your with your marketing. Do you have the capacity internally to um, really market yourselves or do you have to look elsewhere? Um, that's a big one because a lot of the time we find that clients don't have the capacity and that's why they come to us. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of different factors that go into play, but once you have all of that, all of those questions answered and your goal, um, you can really start to think through 
what type of marketing will work best for you and what type of marketing you can look towards for the year um, so you can allocate your spend towards something that will work for you mm-hmm. rather than against you. Definitely. Yeah, I think people like to jump ahead and get excited about, oh, we're going to do an awesome email campaign or we're going to do an amazing landing page or something. They get excited about that tactic or that strategy and they don't always think about, you know, what is the goal that it's achieving? What does success look like with this uh, this goal or this tactic in mind? So yeah, I think that's, that's very important. You know, it's funny. A lot of people always um, talk about seasonality and a lot of the clients that we talk to, at least early on, um, they're not parallel. You know, they're, they're usually these mm-hmm. separate things. It's just like, oh, we want to do some marketing. We want to do an ad. We want to do an email. But they never think about what their seasonality is. And that could be a huge problem. It's just like they want to do something right away because they, they paid for it. But, yeah. you know, surprise, you know, our sales don't really pick up until the spring. Well, do you want to wait that long? Most clients don't. Um, or they have it in years past and, you know, and then they chalk it up to, well, marketing doesn't work. It's just like, well, no, it's just you didn't send it out at the right time. There are a lot of factors that go into, you know, the success of things. And seasonality is just one of those things that people just don't, you know, pay enough attention to. I think when you um, when you're putting together a budget, there is so much stress about what your budget is. So, you know, you could have a twenty five thousand dollar annual marketing budget and it's so overwhelming and you you can become so fixated on fitting everything you wanna do into 25,000 that you either are making decisions to try to fill your budget with as much as you can, mm-hmm. or uh, kind of like Amanda said, like you're not really thinking through what it needs to achieve and where you're at. And then at the same time, yes, seasonality. So like, you know, would you rather sign a budget now with your season happening or would you rather do something that's a little bit more long-term to hit next year's season? So it's, it's also a, a big challenge is showing that return on your investment so that you can continue to either increase or get the same money year after year, but not making rash decisions at the same time. It, it's a really, really difficult balance. And sometimes you have to take a step back and say, okay, just take a breath. What am I trying to accomplish? If I could do anything this year, what is that primary goal? And what is something that can help me achieve that? Um, And that's something that we can often just, as marketers, I think just put by the wayside pretty easily. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting too with the kind of seasonality aspect. You see businesses who are relying so much on one season this past year and all of a sudden their entire marketing budget completely imploded with everything with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that speaks a lot to it. Of It has to be flexible, but it also has to capitalize on, you know, those big parts of the year. So uh, Mike Mattis, over the years, I feel like you've seen just about every combination you can imagine. What would you say about that in terms of your marketing budget from freelance agency, doing it in-house? The end of the year always kind of stirs the conversation. I mean, Clients who are looking at their budget, they're looking at these costs that are like, you know, how do we save? How do we, you know, do better? Um, how do we spend better, make better decisions, those kinds of things. Um, and it always comes down to, you know, should we use an agency? Should we, you know, create an internal team? Should we use freelancers? Um, you don't usually hear the freelancer thing too much, but, you know, there's always talk like, you know, November, December, it's just like, ah, oh, we're going to get like a person or a couple people and, 
you know, there are definitely disadvantages and advantages to that. So like an advantage would be um, like a lower hourly rate. Um, you're basically buying, you know, those hours at wholesale. And this can be a problem too, as I'll kind of talk about with disadvantages, but you know, they're available all the time. They're only working on your stuff all the time and they mm -hmm. hear information first. And, you know, there are, there are definitely advantages to that, but there are disadvantages too. So, um, you know, internal teams, um, you know, cannot be built out enough. You know, they're too general, um, putting too much stress on those members. The, the great thing with an agency is you only pay for the time you use. Now I get the whole lower hourly rate that we talked about before, but if they're not using that time productively, you could actually pay more. You know, and another thing is the uh, upper management doesn't usually have the wherewithal to make um, really good hires. So they, therefore, sometimes they underhire or mishire, which causes a whole big mess because sometimes you're pulling those people out of jobs and you don't want to be responsible for that. Um, yeah. So it, it's a really big undertaking to do that. And sometimes, you know, our clients will say in the past, uh, you know, we're going to bring in a marketing director or whatever, which which we actually like working with those people because they're a good conduit for our team. Yeah. But to have like all these other people um, in there, you know, can be a problem. Any good team is hard to build from scratch. I mean, I could definitely attest to that. It's taken a, you know, us, you know, almost 25 years to get the team that we have now is really hard, you know, and they you could find two or three great candidates for positions, but they might not work well together. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're, you know, going through strengths finders and, and at work and, you know, everybody's um, toolkit's very different. Um, and if they don't mesh and they don't work well, um, you're going to have two or three people that are just not a good team. It takes years to get in that groove. And not to mention, you know, a good marketing agency has multiple clients that they pull experience from. Uh, internal teams can be you know, maybe too one dimensional because they see the same problems over and over again. You know, and the thing with an agency is ultimately you don't like them. You could let them go, you know, um, and you can let them go instantly, <laughs> you know, with, uh, you know, with people that you bring on. There's all kinds of other, you know, complexities that go with, you know, hiring and firing. So but in short, I mean, marketing costs can be 15 to 20 percent higher, um, you know, with an internal team, when you start really looking at the dollars and cents. So, you know, ultimately, it doesn't make sense. I think that really speaks to what Amanda was saying too, with like figuring out your marketing goals first, because when you have an in-house team, it's kind of difficult to say, oh, well, we were doing email, but email's not giving us great returns. So now we have an email marketing person and nothing for them to do. Or we want to explore print design, but we don't have an in-house designer. So we bring one on and, oh, it didn't work out. It's not a great return. We're going to get rid of that. So I think that really speaks to kind of the flexibility of it too. It's the freedom to say, we want to experiment with something. We want to try a new idea for a campaign. And if it doesn't work out at the end of the day, nobody's let go. Nobody's fired. Everybody's happy. So it's also, you know, we always preach about relationships too. You know, having a good relationship with your agency is super important. Um, and kind of maybe going through one or two agencies and trying to find that, you know, set of people that you work with that you have that good rapport with. Um, it's just easier to do than let's bring on somebody. It's just like, okay, we tried them for 30 days. That didn't work out. Um, you know, not to mention we're not really that capable of hiring for marketing because we're salespeople or upper management mm -hmm. or operations yeah. or we just don't understand how to hire for that position. You can just, you know, 
keep kicking that can down the road until, you know, you miss a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I think it's it's easy for us to say, right? We're a marketing agency. We work at a marketing <laughs> yeah. agency. So, yeah. of course, for ourselves, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, why wouldn't you work with an agency? But, you know, to kind of put the shoe on the other foot, if if you're the owner of a, of a company, a private company, public company, whatever it may be, and you have your own internal marketing people, there are going to be things that just are not in their wheelhouse that are going to fall under their control to do. Would you rather them struggle through it, number one, or because it's not something that they can do natively or have never done before, it falls to the bottom of their to-do list, mm-hmm. or would you rather them partner with it, an external agency that has a wealth of specialists who have been through it before and who have other clients that probably are experiencing the same issues or, mm-hmm. or have new ideas and challenges, like, Hiring an agency, some would say, is a negative and is a threat to their internal structure. But if you really think about it at the end of the day, it's it's probably one of the greatest benefits that you can have, assuming it's the right partner, like you said. Mm-hmm. So if it's the right partner and you guys have a good mojo working together, like you're going to be that resource that that they can call on, um, which is really what we try to do. So we, you know, there are a lot of times that, we may have a client who really only uses, I don't know, our internet marketing services, but they'll come to us and say, hey, do you know a PR company? You know, is that, can you recommend anyone? Have you, have any of your clients ever seen anyone? Or, hey, I'm looking for an, an introduction to someone who can help me with financial planning. Like, even just being that connector um, is also an advantage to having a good relationship with an agency because we... We not only have our own clients and specialists, but we also work with a lot of vendors um, that clients also can gain benefit from. So I know, Alyssa, you basically for the past year have just been navigating our myriad clients through, well, what's happened the past year through a pandemic. (laughs) So uh, I know that that's changed a lot of people's, not only their goals, but their budgets, obviously, and just kind of had them take a new look, a new perspective on what their marketing should look like. So yeah, I mean, it was something no one anticipated, obviously, on I think both professional (laughs) and personal levels. Um, And I remember very vividly having a conversation with a client like early March. And she basically saying to me, she's like, this is coming. And I know it's (laughs) coming. And it's just gonna knock everyone out. And she was one of the first clients um, pretty early on who basically came to us and said, like, most people are going to pull back on marketing. Most people are going to reduce marketing uh, teams. And she said, and for us, we are losing our um, face-to-face business development. We can't go to trade shows. We can't go to conferences. We can't do our lead generation. And so she's like, we need to uh, take a look at more digital avenues to reach our potential customers. So um, I think that what the pandemic has shown a lot of people, I think we have experienced this ourselves just through our own clients and our own business development practices, is that more and more companies are taking their marketing and investing in a digital space. So that could be everything from just curating and creating video content. It could be something as easy as, you know, just getting a better presence on social media, doing social media advertising. We have people who are doing pay-per-click. 
Um, the biggest winner, in my opinion, of COVID-19 from a marketing perspective is email marketing. Everyone is at home and everyone has the time to peruse their email because they have nothing else better to do. Yeah. So um, we've seen a lot of people kind of expand into a digital space um, and, and kind of reallocate the funds in their budget away from more in-person, traditional marketing habits. Now, granted, there is still space for traditional marketing like direct mail campaigns um, and things to that extent. But really, we are seeing people take their trade show budgets, which can be quite <laughs> sizable if you think about hotel stays and meal budgets and travel expenses and really reattributing those dollars back into um, digital space, uh, which is really cool to see. Um, and then additionally, what we've really seen is it feels like um, uh, the majority of people across the board are trying to find ways to reinvent themselves. So just because everyone is has been forced pretty rapidly into a digital space, we have seen a lot of clients and we recommend a lot of clients to really get creative with how they're marketing themselves. So with everyone now online as a consumer, with everyone else that you're competing against in a marketing space also online, trying to reach that same consumer, how do you stand out from the fold? Um, so that is a really big thing is when, you, when it comes down to decision making and it comes down to looking at your budget, don't be afraid to take risks and make more creative budgeting decisions. So it could be a video campaign where you had never created a single video before. It could be something to that degree. And just knowing our own clients and what we're recommending, like I, I think our world of, of marketing and our world of consumerism has just been changed indefinitely. And I think the millennials of the world, I am one, is um, really embracing just being at home more and, and operating in a digital space. And for me, yes, it is a risk of just, you know, following proper protocol for COVID and everything else as a consumer. But if I don't have to go into a store and I can order it, a, a Target order over my lunch hour and just drive to a spot <laughs> and have them bring it out, like, absolutely, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I don't need to go into the space and just, you know, spend double what is was on my list just because I'm in the store. So um, it's definitely, I think, buying behavior we're going to see. I think we are going to see more um, e-commerce stores specifically look for app solutions. I think people, like, you know, if you think about it, grocery stores, yeah, they had Peapod, Giant had Peapod. But, like, Target really didn't have the pickup infrastructure that it has now. And the wholesale, like BJ's or Sam's Club or whatever it's going to, like, if you just think about the pickup opportunities of ordering online or through your mobile app and literally just driving to store and it, knowing you're in the parking lot, mm -hmm. it really didn't exist in this form a year ago. Um, and things like app development are huge budgetary hits. And it's just, it's definitely something to consumer, consider when it comes down to, to your consumers. Yeah, we talked in a previous episode actually about like COVID being just a masterclass in UX. Yeah. Like if you've ordered takeout during this past year, yep. you know some restaurants have it down and some it is a hot mess. And same yeah. goes for like the order pickup at stores. You're either 20 cars deep at a retailer mm -hmm. or you pull right up, they bring you your thing and you're gone. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a big emphasis of not only 
it's not just having an online store. It's not just opening up Squarespace and in 20 minutes creating something where you can buy your products, but it's the experience of it. It's sure Target doesn't necessarily rely on the experience of a store, but think about like a small downtown store in Lancaster. Half the fun is going in and walking downtown and having the experience and having that personal touch. So I think there's going to be a big boom in not those lower end e-commerce sites, but in more thoughtful, built out, intuitive sites where you almost get that experience of shopping in the store, but in an online format. And then how do you communicate to your customers that you now have that experience or opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like you could put tens of thousands of dollars into a mobile app or a new feature on your e-commerce site, but if no one knows about it, yeah, then it's it's not worth the money. They're going to stumble upon it, which means you're going to lose out on time that they could have been taking advantage of it. So it's funny these all these um, you know things that people are doing this year were very reactive and they were kind of in survival mm-hmm. mode, but they're going to look in 2021 and they're going to be like, holy crap, a lot of this worked. A lot of the mm-hmm. the junk that we got rid of, we didn't need, and we were doing it for years. It was wasteful mm-hmm. spending. And we can do so much more with so much less, um, you know, as far as budget goes to kind of bring it all back around, um, mm-hmm. which I think is is pretty fascinating because the pandemic really forced us to look at ourselves. And most people were just looking at their business practices and letting them go because in their mind they were working or they probably didn't know they weren't working, but they weren't not working, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So. Yeah. So they didn't look at them, but then are like, oh, we should really look at this. They changed their process and then they became, you know, successful. We went to a a local place to pick up some barbecue and, you know, I just kind of asked them. It was like three o'clock on a Sunday. We just figured let's go there when nobody's there and, um, you know, to pick up our stuff. And so I was like, how's business? He's like, it's better than it's ever been, which is just fascinating. It's fascinating. I mean, some of these places that are local, it wasn't a chain, um, are just doing great because... They found some tech that wasn't all that expensive. They um, were nimble enough to just, you know, put it together, get it in there and get it out, you know, via social and were successful with it, which I think is just great. You know, it's a silver lining on, you know, what could have been a disaster. I also think the tactics that we're seeing now um, will be long lasting because I mean, you think about it, it's the convenience, like the, the grocery order and pickup. If that's not here, if that's not here for another <laughs> 17 years, I don't want it. Yep. I don't want it. I want to be able I want to be able to go to the grocery store um, and pick up the order or I want to be able to have it delivered to my house um, just without me having to even do anything. Yeah. You know, I want I want to be able to order everything online and just have it shipped to me or having a um, healthcare appointment virtually so I don't have to go anywhere. I want that as a consumer, and I can only see that staying for years. At least I hope. Yeah. One could hope. <laughs> I think the younger generations will force it to happen because yeah. we're just all so used mm-hmm. to doing everything online. And especially, I mean, think about somebody who's like 18 or 19 right now and basically just kind of entered the real world, and this is all they know. You know, that's that's what life is like. That's what grocery shopping is. You go online, you pick everything out, it arrives at your door. Like, I don't think that people are going to be willing to go back to. All right, so that brings us to our big question today. 
which is what is your number one, if you could give one piece of marketing budgeting advice for 2021, knowing what we know from last year and from just, you know, years past, what would it be? I may have already tipped my hand on it, but but it, it's basically make sure you look at every year individually because, you know, people who looked at 2019, you know, plan for 2020 didn't know what a pandemic was, you know, even look like. And then all of a sudden it came and it was like, all right, well, so, you know, looking at 2021, people had a very skewed version of what this was going to look like because you just don't know. But you have to make some assumptions. And I think, you know, as marketing people, we have to do that. It's just like everybody always makes fun of me because I'm a very optimistic person. But this thing's going to be over, you know, at some point. What does that look like? You know, and ask yourself that question for my business. What does this look like? You know, are people going to come back right away? Are people not going to come back right away? And how does that affect my budget to kind of go back to what Amanda said? Is it seasonal? Spring might be tough hospitality industry and those kinds of things. But yeah. the fall, it could come back roaring if everybody gets vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just trying to be, you know, look ahead and, you know, um, make sure you're looking at each year individually. That's very true because I feel like some people could almost repeat the same mistake. Like we talk about people who are thriving now because people are home. Maybe they have extra money to get local takeout, whatever. They're doing great. But then what does it look like when people can go back out, when they can go to a bar, not only preparing for COVID times, but then don't make the same mistake of only targeting your business toward what's happening right now and be blind to that future. So yeah, I would definitely say um, we talked about a little bit earlier, I think, um, Mike Mattis said that a lot of people were so reactive earlier in the pandemic. And I think we, uh, my piece of advice would to stop being as reactive and probably think more in terms of how will this end? What will your business look like in a year, in two years? And how will you adapt to that? How will you change? How will you evolve? How will you grow um, to where you want to be? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it just, it may not look like it does right now, but um, I think you can get a lot out of it by, by thinking through that kind of thing. Yeah, I think for me, it, it's kind of a option A and option B. So option A is if you're already doing an element of marketing that works really well. Um, so I don't know, we'll use organic internet marketing as a baseline. If you're already doing it and it is doing well, or you've been doing it for a period of time, then don't be afraid to experiment or take risks with mm -hmm. other elements that go around it. That way you always have that constant, but take a campaign or an event that you do every year and really do something different to see if there is an impact. On the alternative, option B, if you don't have anything constant, maybe this year you start. So if you're not really doing anything with internet or with uh, marketing in general, maybe you start an internet marketing campaign. Maybe you start a direct mail campaign. Maybe you start just writing blogs on a consistent basis. You can start small, send emails consistently. Um, so I, I always encourage people from a budgetary standpoint to to take risks where they make sense um, and not be afraid to do so. And at the same time, watch your budget throughout the year. We're at the beginning of a year. If your fiscal year is in January to December, now is not the time you're probably going to jump into new agreements, right? You just got your budget. You don't want to blow it before the year is up. But keep an eye on it and see where your where your free money kind of raises to the surface, and don't be afraid to try something new. 
I think that's definitely something businesses are just going to learn. You can't be complacent. You can't just do it because we've always done it that way. And I think that that line of thinking that's being kind of pushed out by younger generations anyway, I think it's going to get kind of a boost from all of this. Of You can't just sit there and keep doing the same thing that you're doing and hope that it keeps working because it, mm-hmm. it might. And then something like this happens, it doesn't work anymore. So, yep. Yep. yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's all we have for everyone today. So thank you three for being here and thank to, thank you to everyone out there listening. Um, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a comment on SoundCloud or on our website or a comment or a review on um, Apple podcasts. Really appreciate that. It makes us happy and also makes Apple podcasts like us. Um, so yeah, until next time. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.